Hello, In the Water Podcast. This is your humble host, Russell. And I'm back for another segment. <clears throat> now, this is the first time that I'll be uh, that I'll be actually recording without driving, so we'll see how this goes. <clears throat> but uh, I'm back in Ohio right now. Um, you know, one two hundred and eighty. Well, I think it was like two hundred and thirty dollars in um, Atlantic City. And, uh, yeah, so, back in Ohio, it's raining right now, had to get me a cup of coffee, but let's get right into it. I, I was driving the other day, or yesterday, rather, and I was thinking about, you know, because I'm not working right now, so I was thinking about needing money, you know, I got this situation with the car that I bought in Georgia, and, you know... I'm having issues with the title situation, and, you know, I might actually have to go back down to Georgia to get this figured out, but um, while I was, while I was driving home yesterday, I was thinking about all the money that I've been spending, and all the traveling that I've been doing, and I'm thinking about, I'm going to need to start getting more money, you know, uh, somehow, and you know, just thinking about going back to work made me feel like like a nine to five. You know, going back to a nine to five made me feel like dead already. You know, and and like I have this sense of freedom and this sense of of uh, you know leisure and basically sovereignty. You know, I can I could do whatever I really want to do. And I just thinking about having to go back into another place and clock in every day for 10 hours was, it just made me feel like I, like I'm losing my freedom again, or I'm losing my sovereignty. It made me feel dead. It made me like, oh my God, I don't even want to fucking think about that, you know? And Currently, I'm actually in the process of trying to start to buy and flip used cars, you know, so hopefully I can get something going where I can start getting some sustainable money and I actually have to have a boss, you know, Um, but that made me think a little bit more, you know, just thinking about having to go back to work. You know, thinking about having to go and clock in somewhere. It made me think about everyone else, you know, because I was just in that mess, you know, not that long ago. And it made me think about everybody else who is still in that, who is still going to work every day, you know, doing their nine to five, you know, running their number, running them hours. You know, and and how most of us, I mean, including myself, you know, I I worked at menial, you know, meaningless jobs for a long time. I've been in the workforce for about 11 years and I was never really happy, you know, like I like to learn and I would feel like I would like every time I got into a job I would try to learn everything I could as soon as possible and then once I knew as much as I could learn I was just bored 
And then I would just be bored and I would start to feel this, this wonderlust, you know, and I would want to do something else. I would want to be experiencing something else. So while I was thinking about all this stuff, I'm thinking about all the people who are half dead still in their jobs. They just, they just, they just wake up and I was in this for the longest time and I hated it, but they would just wake up and they would go straight to work and they would clock in and they would spend most of their day working at something that they don't even want to do, you know, and then they'd get off work and they'd go do other stuff that they don't want to do, you know, and like, like, you know, clean out your car and go grocery shopping and, and have to maintain and clean your house. And at least for me, I mean, I don't know about everybody else, but at least for me, I found that very difficult to, to try to maintain and sustain a life, you know, by myself you know, having to, you know, work full time and get the money to pay for an apartment and, and, you know, pay for all the luxuries and all the bills and, you know, at the same time, take care of my cat and clean my house and, you know, maintain my car and maintain my social life and maintain my friends and personal relationships. And I found that so hard to stay on top of because there's so many things that are always calling for our attention, always calling for something else, something more. I need a little bit more money. I need a little bit more of your time. I need a little bit more of your attention. And it was so difficult for me that like a part of me just wanted to get out of it. I didn't even know how to deal with it. I'm just like, I don't even want, like I would like ignore people. I would like ignore my friends and family. I would, I would tell them I'm busy, even though I'm not, you know, it's just like, I'm so busy with all of the maintenance that it takes to sustain a life by yourself single you know and after a while i i started to deal with this nihilistic attitude i feel like i'm definitely a cross between nihilistic and idealistic radically and i'm a very positive person but it's like when you start to look at things in a real spectrum it's like nothing really matters nothing really makes a difference like if i were to like my job that i just quit for example like <clears throat> on one hand it doesn't make a difference that 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 building has worked and run for 30 years before i showed up you know i mean i definitely have the impact and i realized when i was leaving that i had an impact on that place where like the internal organs or the people on like the dynamics between who worked where and who did what shifted and changed. And I definitely had some form of an impact on that building. But at the same time, like it will go on without me. And if you look at that in the extreme form of life, it's like things go on without you. Things will go on without you. And that kind of brings you to this, well, if it doesn't need me, then what does it mean? What does it mean if it all means nothing? What does it mean if nothing really matters, if nothing that I do matters? What is, you know, why should I be doing all this? Why should I be doing all this stuff that I don't want to do? And yeah, so I, I kind of want to talk about people living these lives, you know, me included, that, that seem devoid of anything authentic, devoid of anything real and sustainable and something that it, it will bring us fulfillment and joy and meaning and happiness um 
fundamentally, I don't think that life is about attaining happiness. I think it's more or less um, further contextualizing universal insight and understanding. When you fail, like let's just say you go to work on your car and you like are trying to repair your radiator. Whether you fail or you succeed, all that does in the grand scheme of things is it further contextualizes your universal insight and understanding. Because like I said in the last podcast, I, fu- I tend to think that we are life itself. And so the more experience and the more understanding that we have and the further that life uh, contextualizes itself to us with, with the dynamics of everything changing around us all the time, I mean, we're never the same person. You're never the same person. So life isn't really about sustaining happiness. It's about contriving universal insight and understanding uh, interpersonally, you know, or not interpersonally, uh, uh, privately, very personal. Uh, Life is a personal experience. I don't, I don't think that anyone really, I mean, they definitely have impacts on you and they definitely influence you. But I think for the most part, like the influences in our life comes down to, you know, your perceptual approach to it, you know, your attitude about it. Kind of like what I said in the last episode, Connections. If I meet somebody in a bad mood, I'm going to construct them in my mind in a negative light in the future, right? So it really comes down to how you approach every situation in your life. Every, you know, obstacle, every hurdle that you have to overcome, it comes down to how you approach it. And, and what makes it tricky and difficult is when you get two people together and, you know, it becomes interpersonal and somebody's all for it and they're all in and somebody else is not. And that's what could throw off the dynamic. And I think that when it comes down to everything, when it comes to sustaining a life, let's just say with a spouse or a girlfriend or a family, like I think that love, I think personally you can love anyone. I think you can love anyone and everyone. It really just comes down to who are you going to allow yourself to love? Will you allow yourself to love that person? Will you allow that person in? But it really comes down to what you allow. You know, whether you, you know, you it comes down to what you allow and your perceptual approach to that person and your perceptual approach and attitude towards life fundamentally. But back to the main point, I feel like, you know, in these lives that, you know, seem fundamentally devoid of authentic connection and and joy and meaning, it creates this like flat seas, these doldrums that we're just kind of, you know, um, on autopilot and we're just doing these things. I mean, that's happened with me where like, I will have like three months zips by and all I did was go to work, like wake up, go to work, come home and play Minecraft for two months or play call of duty for three weeks, you know? And, and I find myself just like, holy shit, that was already three months ago, you know? And it, and it's because I'm in some way clocking out in my mind because this is just normal. This is just routine and I've seen this a hundred times and there's no need for me to retain it. And I think that a lot of the times life escapes people or even what they want escapes people 
because we're living in these doldrums. We're living in the flat seas, in the water. And what's strange about the water is that even though it's uncomfortable and uncertain, you know, it becomes comforting. It becomes comforting and, and warm and normal and familiar. And so to break out of that, I think over time, it gets harder and harder the longer that you're in it. But I've definitely felt feelings of nihilism, feelings of inadequacy. You know, like I always, like I always thought more for myself. I always thought that I would be better at this time than I am. You know, I always thought that I would have more accolades or more goals accomplished or, but really, you know, when it comes down to it, what is there to be done? You know, what really needs to happen? You know, and I, I struggle with that question is like, what, like, what is necessary? What is necessary? Now, often when I ask that question, people are like drinking water and they kind of, you know, like make a mockery of the question, but really nothing is necessary. Nothing needs to happen. Everything's okay. Everything's okay the way it is. If you're okay with the way it is and if you're not okay with the way it is, then it's not okay, and you can change that. But if you don't change that, then that's okay too. And I found myself in these patterns, these these dances, these loops that just keep recurring for several months at a time, and on some scale, several years at a time. And so the nihilism itself that is created out of the mundaneity of modern life, of modernity, um, and the a life devoid of companionship, of true connection, especially in a technological world, you know, like with, with technology and social media, you know, you're not really in the room with people as you used to be. People are generally in a totally other world looking at their phone and, and something that might have given you a small fleeting feeling of joy or connection is now gone because they're staring at their phone. They're not, oh, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like they just tacitly agree with whatever you're saying even though they don't really think that. You ask somebody what their opinion is on something and they just kind of dismiss it. There's no real connection. There's no real attempt at at understanding or or conveying anything deeper emotionally or investing anything deeper emotionally into each other anymore is what it seems like to me with with the rise of social media and technology and as life becomes more convenient it seems as though we become more unhappy and i think we it's because we don't tend to have the struggles we don't have we don't overcome the struggles and get the feelings of satisfaction from overcome overcoming something difficult um i tend to like to just try new stuff i like to i i totally like to learn as i go i like to learn on the job um and if i fail i'm totally okay with failure you know i've learned a lot from failure i think you need failure you know, like I taught myself how to juggle. I, my dad always juggled when I was younger and I wanted to know how to juggle and I just started trying to do it. And the only way to learn how to juggle is to fail a thousand times 
and pick the balls back up again. That's the only way to learn. I still fail. I still fail. And that's why, like, when people are like, oh, I'm not okay with failure, I'm afraid of failure, I always say, learn how to juggle. And they just, like, look at me with these side eyes and, like, their eyebrow raised and, like, what are you talking about? What does that have to do with anything? And there's, like, a secret lesson within learning how to juggle that I tend to try to convey to people. But they never really attempt it. They will maybe throw the balls up in the air, like, once or twice, and then they're like, I'm not good at this. And it's like, you're never good at something when you first start. But you have to be willing to pick it back up and continue trying. So, what does it mean when we live these lives of nihilism and feelings of meaninglessness and inadequacy, especially with social media and and, and inadequacy and insecurity is on the rise? You know, like when you're looking at Instagram and you see people that are more ahead than you are or have a body that you want or, you know, maybe you think they're prettier than you. It really tends to create these strong feelings of inadequacy and insecurity within us. And that is buttressed with the fact that a lot of people, at least that I know or that I've seen in my life, don't really have the emotional stability themselves to to try to rebuild somebody's self-esteem or rebuild somebody's confidence in themselves because they don't care because nobody cares because you know there there's always somebody else out there there's 10 100,000 million people on Facebook and and you know what are you it really it really comes down to you know we don't value each other the way that we used to we don't value the people in our lives or the things in our lives um, but yeah, we're, it seems to me that everybody's, they're only half dead. They're, they're only half dead. They're not all the way dead. They're not dead inside. They're only half dead. And it seems to me that the feelings of insecurity and instability and, and inadequacy comes from the nihilism. And that nihilism seems to come from <clears throat> our repeated patterns of behavior and that are not only reinforced by previous action that we've taken, but it's also reinforced by our loved ones. It's reinforced by the people closest to us and our coworkers that, that question you and they try to implant doubt in your mind because they're afraid, right? It's like if I, if I want to start selling used cars – and I'm going to be taking a risk on spending money on these cars and trying to sell them on Marketplace or, or whatever. People are going to question that and they're going to be like, oh, well, what if you, you know, buy a car and you don't make any money off of it? What if you, what do you, what if you, and, and, and so it's reinforced the feeling. And, and because like when, if I allow people, because I've actually been very rigid in my life and I've not allowed people to put doubt in my mind. Because I've never really had anybody to rely on. And I don't like to be ignorant. Like when I first started working on cars, or when I first got a car, you know, I heard horror stories of mechanics robbing people and, and you know, taking people for all they got. And I didn't want to be that way. I didn't want to be robbed and used and, and you know, duped. I didn't want to be duped. 
So I started learning about cars and I started trying to teach myself about cars on the internet and in practice I tried to start taking things apart and putting it back together and I would I would I was okay with failure. I actually my, the first car that I bought I bought so that I could fix it up. You know, and, and regardless of if I messed it up or not. Like and there were several times when working on that car that I had to buy you know, new parts two or three times because I would fuck it up. And it's like, as long as you're willing to deal with the consequences of what you're doing and deal and deal with the failure and pick it back up and continue trying, then you can do it. But a lot of the times, you know, because when I first started doing that, a lot of people in my life were like, you don't want to do that. That's really hard. You don't want to do that. What if you mess it up? What if you mess it up? Because inside of themselves, they lack the confidence in in being okay with that failure they feel like if i fail i'm going to feel stupid and that is a difficult thing to deal with for sure but you got to be very rigid in not allowing people to cast doubt over your judgment cast doubt over you know the things you want to do you got to be very rigid well first of all you got to be very clear with yourself not very clear because like I'm, I'm a very vague person too. Like I'm like, ah, I want to learn about cars and I just teach myself as much as I can about cars. I make knives as a hobby, right? I just, I love knives. My mom used to always take knives when I was a kid and I think that that created some kind of curiosity with them. And now nobody can take a knife away from me. You could take as many knives away from me as you want and I can just make another one. You know, and I I started from the bottom with that and I started and I made very, very, very many mistakes. But now I'm at a point where I feel like I make a decent knife, you know, and it definitely works. I've skinned a squirrel with one of my knives, like totally skinned it, gutted it, you know, and it works and it holds up and that's awesome. It's a very satisfying feeling when you make something that works. Um... But yeah, I, I definitely think that you got to be very rigid. You got to be very rigid with other people casting doubt. Even if it's something small like, oh, well, I want to start, you know, selling makeup, you know, and you buy makeup and you sell that shit. Like, and if some, somebody could be like, oh, well, you, you don't want to sell makeup. There's so many people that sell makeup. And it's like, yeah, but that's your passion. That's what you want to do. And even if it's not your passion forever, it's something that you're interested in right now. Like my next thing that I want to get into is I want to start making soap. You know, I've always uh, felt like I don't like the chemicals. I don't know what the chemicals are on soap. So I want to make my own homemade soap and so I know what's in it and that and it'll smell good and that's awesome, you know, and, and I think that, that knowledge is useful and it's definitely useful in passing the knowledge down to my children eventually just so they know because I think that's wisdom. Wisdom is <clears> – <throat> a lot of times people are like, oh, you're wise, you're woke. It's like I don't attribute wisdom to myself because to me wisdom means information that has been distilled through generations of trial and error you know like if my granddad taught my dad how to hunt right my granddad and well and his dad so my great grandfather made all the mistakes when he learned how to hunt then when he taught my granddad how to hunt he taught him to avoid those mistakes then when my granddad had my dad and taught my dad how to hunt, my dad now knows a distillation of my great of my granddad's wisdom. 
And then it, it, that's wisdom to me, is, is a distillation of trial and error. It's a distillation of knowledge through generations. That's wisdom. So to me, it's like I'm not wise, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to gain knowledge and, and, and deal with all of the mistakes and learn from all the mistakes that I can so that when I have a child, I can start a line of wisdom. I can teach them the things that I know and the, and the mistakes that I've made and, that they, and to help them avoid those mistakes. And then maybe we can get a little trail of wisdom going here. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I definitely think that it really comes down to the fact that we're all half dead. We all think there's no options. There's no options. Because when I was working it, and I was you know playing Minecraft for three months and I was in my cave in my house that I felt totally overwhelmed and just crushed by the the... demand from everything and everyone bills companies you know my friends and family needing time and attention i was crushed by the responsibility i felt it very difficult to maintain all aspects of my life at once and so it kind of my friend actually likes to call that the freeze right like there's some kind of trauma response or something where you don't know how to respond and something seems too overwhelming and so you just freeze and that can manifest itself in the in playing minecraft for two months straight you know you just go to work and come home and play minecraft and then you go to bed and then you go to work and that's the freeze now there's many different forms of that but i definitely found myself overwhelmed and that created a sense of nihilism now i've always had some some deeper transcendent there's always something deeper. I definitely don't think that life is grim and meaningless, not wholly. I think that we, since we are the creators of everything, we create the meaning. We create the joy. We create the cycles and the patterns and the actions and the behaviors, and we create the mind. We are the mind. And really, it, it's hard to get one step in front of the other, the first step. It's hard to take the first step, but once you start walking, you're fucking running before you know it. And like for me, I, I've always pursued relationships. I feel like that's where a lot of my, my feelings of <clears throat> insecurity and instability and inadequacy come from. I think that that's really where my nihilism comes from is the fact that I don't feel like I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is having a family. You know, I feel like everyone in my family, like their life is moving on and mine, what am I doing? You know, and that creates these feelings of inadequacy. Like what's wrong with me? Why, why does everybody that I know have a kid? Why does everybody that I know have a spouse or is getting married? Like what's wrong with me? You know, especially with my first episode, like I had this great relationship with this girl and it got too real too fast because of my trip. And, and, you know, obviously one part of my brain is like, you know, is that the real reason? You know, and I definitely want to believe her. You know, I never caught her in a lie before, but it's, it creates those feelings of insecurity and inadequacy. And my nihilism, I think that the nihilism stems into 
those feelings of inadequacy and insecurity and instability in in everything you know, even if it's a career even if it's like what you what you value in a career not not like a spouse or a family it's like you can feel nihilistic if you feel like you know why did that guy get a job and I didn't get it you know why well, like I worked my ass off I had the best resume why didn't I get what what did he have that I didn't have you know and these feelings these neurotic feelings of of inadequacy and insecurity I think stems from the nihilism which comes from our our inability to deal with the doubt that is imposed on us by other people you know because it really is you really can't do what you want I mean I, I I'm proof of that you know I left my apartment I left my fucking job and I went out on the road obviously I had to work for that and I had to get the money up to where I would be comfortable doing that for a long period of time you know I did have to work towards it but you can do what you want to do I, I made a very vague frame because the whole idea of the trip was to go into the unknown. I wanted to have as little parameters around the idea as possible. I didn't want to give anybody a time frame. I didn't want to give myself a time frame. I didn't want to give myself any real limitation. And I did that. And I'm doing that now. And you know, so I am proof that if you if you absolutely repudiate people's imposed doubt on you because I mean all along the way you don't want to do that oh you should oh you know you're gonna leave your apartment you're gonna leave your job like what are you gonna do where are you gonna live what are you gonna how are you gonna sleep how are you gonna shower like they're gonna they're trying to put the seeds of sow the seeds of doubt in your mind but I did it and I got through it and I just kind of dismissed all of their doubt and and did what I wanted to do so we are proof that we do what we want to do and it can be hard it can be hard to realize the the real power that our mind has. Um, relationships is where it's tricky for me. You know, I I feel I'm like I'm very good with like logistical stuff. You know, especially when dealing with myself. But when dealing with an interpersonal relationship, I feel like I'm all in, all the time. I feel like I'm totally given a hundred percent effort, and I don't feel like I get that in return. Maybe I'm too. You know, I expect too much. You know, I, I say, I've said to my friends in the past, like, if you want to be happy, lower your expectations. Not your standards, but your expectations. Because if you expect shit from people, sorry if you could hear that phone ringing. I tried to put my phone on airplane mode, but it wouldn't let me record with it on airplane mode. And I apologize for the last episode, too, because it seems as though texts and phone calls are recorded on this and i just got a phone call but i just ignored it totally threw me off of where i was too i'm gonna have to figure out something to do with that relationships effort right i i seem to put more effort than other people are willing to put in yeah expectations i don't really expect anything from anyone but I'm a man of principle and it's like when people tell me that they're down for me and they tell me that they want this and you know they like this and they like what we have and I don't want you to change I don't want to change I don't want you to change what you're doing and then they change that's where I'm like I don't know what the how to reconcile with that because you 
Like I'm doing I'm giving you everything. I'm trying to, you know, and, and and I try to like fix their cars for them, and I try to fucking be the, be a support. I try to support them as well as I can in every way that I can, because like if I'm gonna be your husband, or if I'm gonna be some actual powerful and reliable figure in your life, like I want to do everything I can do for you. And for whatever reason, it seems, you know, because like I said, the last relationship was fantastic. And then it was just done. And that sucks. And, you know, it's been very difficult dealing with the the apathetic emotions and, you know, the turbulent emotions that I've been feeling while on my trip. Because this happened right before my trip. It's been very difficult. And I'm trying to keep my head about me and focus on what I'm doing and the things that I'm doing and the goals that I'm pursuing. And I'm trying to keep a focus on that. But I cannot stop. I cannot stop dealing with the feelings and and I know they're normal. I know they're natural. Let me take a sip of this coffee real quick. And uh yeah, but I definitely do think that an antidote to nihilism is being first of all, it's self-alignment. You know, align yourself with everything that you say. Well, I guess that's integrity, you know, integrity, you know, like become integral, become aligned. Everything you think, say, do, you know, align those things. Have what you think, match what you say. Have what you say, match what you do. And I think that one, like manipulative and malevolent people cannot use you. They cannot worm their way in and manipulate you. Because, whoa, 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 I said this. I didn't say that. Don't try and twist that around because I know what I think. I know what I say and I know what I do. Because people will try and tell you all the time who you are and what you are and what you're capable of and what you're going to do. They try and do that all the time and then you're like, no, and then you can check them. If you're integral and aligned, you can check them and that has been of utmost benefit to me. And... I also think that, you know, working on something that you like to do is good. I think that that helps nihilism and like, cause it's like, it, it, it would be very easy for me right now to fall and slip into, you know, past senses of security, you know, because I'm emotionally, you know, in the dumps, I'm, I'm in the water. You know, because of this girl and and it would be very easy of me to, you know, continue dancing. My mom taught me, she told me one day when I was in a past relationship, a really bad past relationship, she told me that, you know, this is your dance, right? Because me and my ex-girlfriend, we would always go in circles. And she said, this is your dance. And I loved that analogy because I think it can, it can be extrapolated in so many ways, but you know, because I think that we all have our personal dance, like a dance that we do every time something happens. Like sometimes, like if I'm stressed out and I turn to the bottle, you know, that's my dance. It's like I drink, I feel like shit, I feel better, something happens, I drink, I feel like shit. That's a personal dance. You're going around the ballroom, you're going in a circle, you know, and I think that there's dances with, with uh, a dynamic, a, you know, a dichotomy where there's two people. And there's, uh, it's the dynamic of your relationship is a dance, 
And, you know, they can, there can be great dances and there can be shitty dances. A lot of the times I found myself in a bad dance, but <clears throat> yeah, it's the dance. It's the dance, but I definitely think that working on something that you like to do, oh, that's what it was. I was talking about, you know, I can slip back into nihilism. I can slip back in my, in my comfort zone. Right, because I'm feeling apathetic and and emotionally turbulent and sad and, and aggrieved over this relationship. Because to me, I love relationships. I, lo I like I always say I'm a fool for love. You know, like when I love somebody, like I love somebody. When I really am about somebody, I actually told people a lot when I was younger, and I don't really know if they knew what I was what I meant when I said it. But I would tell them, if you have my attention, you have enough. Right? Because it's like, if you have my attention, you have my full effort. And I would tell them to keep my attention. <clears throat> and I actually told this, uh, my last lady friend that, and I just, it's really difficult to deal with that shit. But regardless, it, it would be easy for me to slip back into my old dance to start playing video games and wasting hours and hours in video games and not really pursuing buying new cars or working on cars or doing something that I like to do because I just, I'm tired. I don't want to do that right now. Let's just lay in bed. Let's just lay on the couch and play video games. You know, it's easy to fall back into those bad patterns. It's hard, especially in the midst of being in pain and aggrieved to plow forward and to attempt to continue to be integral, continue to do what you want to do and be yourself. And maybe that's my problem. Maybe that's my problem in relationships is that like, it, it, it's like I have a clear cut and dry mode of being you know i have a goal or i have some like a way that i am i'm an individual and then when i get into a relationship i you know i want to be that supportive figure i want to support you i want to i want to help you at, as much as i can i want to be there for you emotionally and whatever and maybe that they they perceive that as me losing my individuality it's like i'm becoming a a dichotomous you know opposition i'm becoming totally opposed to what they like in the beginning. It's like, wow, I liked you because you were an individual. I liked you because you were yourself and you did this and you did that and you had these goals and you were very rigid and then you got with me and I became your goal. And maybe that is it, you know, but it's like, to me, connection is one of my values. It's like that takes precedence. That's a priority to me, you know, because I think that love, love is a great thing. And I actually just read a quote earlier, and it was oh, it was pretty heavy. It was, our lives are shaped by those who love us, and our lives are shaped by those who refuse to love us. And that is so heavy because it's so true. It's like the people who have loved us have made such an impact on our minds and our hearts, but also did the people who refuse to love us. Like this girl I'm dealing with now, like we were so, we were, we were, you know, in the fields, the flowery fields of love and then boom, it was done. 
and it was almost like like a a rejection like a, a refusal to continue to give me what she was giving me and that that has actually been shaping the things that I'm doing recently and that quote that quote is crazy to me but yeah I think that work working on things that you want to do and things that make you happy whether that's working on cars or you know doing arts and crafts or you know even creating content like this you know because this podcast is becoming something that I like to do it's be- it's becoming something like cathartic where I can just talk and I can feel like I can get my thoughts and my feelings out there and it's weird because nobody's listening but it seems as though there is you know it's very strange it's very strange but responsibility i think that responsibility having your own personal responsibility to remain integral to remain in alignment is key you know because i really do think you're the final arbiter it always comes down to you it always comes down to you no matter what <clears throat> And, yeah, we're all half dead. We're all half dead. And it's just so sad. It's so it's so sad to see the state of people. Yeah, I love people. You know, people always think that I'm, like, lying or I'm bullshitting when I say that, but I do. I think that people, they have their pros and cons. You know, they're, they're definitely shady. They're definitely... Some of them lack integrity. Some of them are just fucking downright bitter, right, and and deceitful and lack moral character. But for the most part, I think that seeing a person in their element or seeing somebody in a positive light is a beautiful thing, you know, and I do think that everybody has, you know, redeeming qualities they have a redeeming aspect to them because people people are fucking awesome people can do incredible things especially once they realize that they can do incredible things you know but whatever i i do think that if we do not want to remain only half dead it is our responsibility to live it's our responsibility to live because, you know, I've been traveling around the country a little bit in the last couple of weeks and, and I've been to a lot of big cities and I've been to a lot of, you know, little cities and particularly the big cities are just, it's just heartbreaking how much homeless people and hookers and, you know, crackheads and fucking like it's it's like people it's just sad it's sad to see the state of people in their minds and in their lives and to think like how did they get there did they get there because they were living a life that was unfulfilling did they get there because of external circumstances you know that was similar to what I previously mentioned in my first episode where I felt like I couldn't control anything. I couldn't change anything because I was not in the position to actually make a lasting change. Did they feel powerless? Did they feel totally overwhelmed? Did they freeze? 
and then that led them to this this position where they're in now and I don't think that what I'm talking about really applies just to hookers and crackheads and homeless people. Now, because right now, technically, I'm homeless. You know, like, I left my apartment. I left my job. You know, I did it. It was, you know, by my own design. So there's no judgment because, like I said, I've, I've been talking about myself half this time. And we're all half dead. We're all feeling the crippling feelings of being lost and not knowing what to do and not knowing where to go and not having anybody to ask not having anybody to ask what we should do or tell us there's no daddy figure there's nobody that can there's nobody that really knows nobody really knows ever and that's a scary realization that is a hard pill to swallow is to realize that nobody really knows the answer to anything Nobody really can tell you what you should do or what you could do. I mean, anybody can tell you what you could do because I've been doing that. I think that we need to create a situation in our lives, even if it's just the most minimal, the most minimal thing. If, if just working on cars makes you feel a little less in the water, a little less lost, then try to do that more often. Try to talk to people in public. Try to talk to strangers. Tell your friends and family you love them. What are you doing personally? Are you sleeping well? Are you working out? Are you eating enough? Are you drinking water? I think all these things are very important and they definitely affect our minds and our emotions and our attitudes every day. And I don't want us to feel half dead. I don't want to feel half dead. You know, like I said, like I want I want a family. I want somebody that I trust that I can depend on and rely on emotionally that I love that loves me that we can have children and we can create a life together and we can experience life together and the world together and learn as we go nobody knows I think that's another thing it's like fear is like people don't want to do anything unless they know a hundred percent and certainty is the immediate death of action. You can't have certainty with action. You can't have certainty. There is no certainty. Nothing is certain, ever. Nothing is certain. I know that in this podcast, you could definitely start to listen to me and be like, man, this guy really is nihilistic. But I really do have a positive outlook on things. I think that there is deeper transcendent emotion than what we're used to. I think that I've felt it, like I said in my last episode, in connections with that girl, with that person that I learned after so long, but I didn't really care about somebody beyond what they did for me. But I learned how to. I learned how to care about people because of them, because of, for them. Because it also does this crazy thing for you. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel like you're a little bit less alone because you're there for them. 
you know, I've always tried to be the person to other people that I wish I had in my life. Because I never had anybody to rely on. I never had anybody that I felt like I could talk to about my feelings or, you know. And so everybody in my life trusts me. You know, like I've, I have a lot of people that come to me and tell me stuff before they tell anybody else. You know, they want to get my, my opinion on it and, you know, my support or, you know, my, my criticisms, if that's what I have. Like they trust me. And they trust me because I listen to them. Because I care about them. Which is awesome. I love that. It's weird because it's like this is what I was talking about in the last episode as well about like the higher mind. Where it's like there's some deeper aspect of ourselves that we can't fully perceive. Because I knew that six years ago that I wanted everybody to trust me and I wanted to be that important person to people in my life. And here I am and now I've attained it and I've attained it. Like you didn't – you never realize it in the moment. Like within this – like let's just say like six years ago I wanted that. And then now I have that, but like in the middle of between six years ago and now, like I didn't realize moment to moment that everything that I was doing was building up to that. But it's like a deeper part of me knew what I was doing, which is fucking awesomely empowering. It's empowering. But I, I've always wanted to be to other people what I wish I had in my life. I want to help people. I want to listen to you. I want to care about you. I want to support you. I want you to feel like you're not alone because I always have. I always have been. And people tell you all the time, like it's it it. it and I know it's well intentioned, but they tell you all the time, like I'm I'm always there for you. You know, you you never ever feel like you can't talk to me. And it, it's like I have this very cynical mentality, but it's weird. It's really weird that I can't really kind of. I can't reconcile with it because I have this beautiful loving compassionate empathetic perspective to people like I love people I want to be there for you but I almost can't I can't accept it for me it's weird it's really weird because like people will tell me like I can't I don't deal well with compliments like when people tell me like wow you're smarter than you give yourself credit for or you know like, wow, blah, 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 whatever, whatever it is. It's like, I don't know how to respond to it. Like, I'm just like, okay, thanks. You know, like, I don't know. It's, it happens so infrequent that I don't know how to respond to it. And I've, and I don't, I don't know. I really don't know that. But I have a cynical side to me as well, where I, I tend to be distrustful. When people start telling me things like, oh, you know, you can always talk to me. Because I really, I think a lot of the times people are cynical and have a self-interested motivation to what they're doing. Now, obviously, you need to gauge every situation because every situation is differently. You need to be able to read in between the lines and read the writing on the wall. And by reading in between the lines, I mean read into what somebody's saying with with the words that they didn't say, right? And it's really hard to kind of convey that, to kind of convey, because it's something that you just learn how to do. It's not really something that I've ever tried to like explain to people, you know, but like a lot of the times people, people talk without words a lot and they explain things and express things without words. And if you only go on what they say, then you're not going to get it. 
it's really, really hard to describe, but you got to learn how to read in between the lines and gauge every situation differently. But a lot of the time, like I have met people that I'm like, okay, I trust you. I, I will, I will receive that from you. I will, you know, receive a compliment or, or talk to you if I feel like I need to talk to somebody I have, but it's very, very rare because a lot of the times people have self-interest and motivation. But despite that, despite the fact that they have self-interested motivation, I still try to be the person to them that I wish I had because they realize like, holy shit, like I got what I wanted, but you know, he was still there for me. I, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I definitely think that I don't want us to be half dead. And I really do think we need to focus on our relationships with each other and our relationships with ourselves, ourselves first and foremost, because you, you are the creator, you are the, the arbiter and your interactions, excuse me, oh, excuse me, your interactions with people. And the way that the relationships and your interpersonal relationships are going to manifest themselves comes down to how you approach it. Like I said in the last episode, if you're in a bad mood, you know, you're going to construct somebody in your mind in a bad light. You know, so you need to you need to align yourself so that most of the time you can have a clear head. And even if if that's just you working on cars or listening to music or and cleaning your house, I mean, whatever it is that you like to do, but there is a way out. There is a way out of that that life that we're not that we don't that we feel half dead in. There is a way out because I, even now, I'm not half dead. I was half dead a little under two months ago. I was in an apartment that I fucking hated. I was in a job that I couldn't stand anymore. That was literally killing me. It was killing my body. I couldn't stand it. And I'm out of that. And now I can see just how half dead I was. And how half dead most of the world is. And I don't want that. I don't want that for us. I don't want that for anybody. I want us to be able to realize that we can change. And we do change. We change whether we want to or not. You know, and that's the fucking crazy thing, too, is like, we change no matter what. And you can decide how you want to change on your terms in certain ways, whereas life is going to change you in ways that you can't even possibly imagine. So, change is good. Change is okay. But we got to learn to let go. We got to learn to let go of these of these behaviors and these patterns and these lives that make us feel only half dead. Because a lot of the times I I talk to people about like what I'm doing and they're like I wish that I could fucking, you know, just quit my job. I wish that I could just leave my apartment and just go travel the world. And it's like make it happen. Make it happen because I made it happen. It wasn't the easiest thing in the world, but it's not impossible. And you can get out of that. I definitely do think that when people see somebody in a situation that they would like to be in, the immediate reaction is jealousy or envy or resentment. But I don't think that that means that they have any disdain for you. I think that that means that they have disdain for the 
doldrum life that they've accepted and tolerated. I've been there. You know, this isn't like just can this isn't just like, you know, me talking about other people. This is me talking about my own experience as well. And I I would like if I could be a reminder or or some kind of you know I could be a realization, a revelation that we do what we want. And not just to like the podcast listeners, I'm just talking, but like the people in my life, like I, I, I want us to get to a point where we can inspire each other and not be envious and not be resentful and not be angry and we could build each other up. We could do it, but it starts with us. You know, everybody's like, oh, how do you change the world? You, you change you is how you change the world is how you change and impact the people in your life in the best way that you can is you got to make yourself as content with your own choices in your own life as you can. I mean, cause I'm pretty content. You know, I have, I have difficulty with, with relationships, but I feel like I'm on the path where I will get to a point where I find what I'm looking for. I really do. And you got to be able to have that. You got to be able to see that. You got to be able to still have hope for that. Don't let anybody destroy your childish nature. Don't let anybody destroy the child in your heart. The, the, the child that at one time fell in love for the first time. That at one time trusted fully. That at one time could see the beauty in everything. That child is in our hearts. And I refuse to let people kill my child at heart. I love that. I love my child at heart. My, you know, now obviously I could do a lot of things very, you know, maturely, but deep down, I think we're all children. We're just grown children. You know. But some, I think that sometimes people let that childish nature die, and that's what makes everything a little bit bleaker. And if we could combat nihilism in some way, is just try to be a little more childlike in your heart. Not childish with like, you know, your business decisions or like your work. But, you know, laugh at a joke. Tell a joke. Find the humor in a situation. See the beauty in the flower, the wildflowers on the side of the road. Like be that child that was in awe at life once upon a time and perhaps we can deal with these feelings of inadequacy and insecurity because you are fundamental you're fucking beautiful you're fucking perfect just how you are you know and there there is you are enough you are enough right now and so am i and just because sometimes people can't deal with us in the forms that we're in at the time because of whatever they're going through doesn't mean you're not enough. doesn't mean that I'm not enough. We are enough and we're beautiful, all of us. And we all have the great, we all have the capacity for greatness and great empathy and kindness and love and compassion. But conversely, we have a capacity for a terrible malevolence. And I think that we need to choose what side we would rather be on. And that's that. 
and I'm running out of time here. And I appreciate anybody who's listening to this. And this is uh, the In the Water podcast because we are always in the water. But maybe one day, maybe we can get out of the water. But probably not fully. Till next time.